0: Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. The biblical book of Deuteronomy is considered Moses' parting message to ancient Israel. He led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, but then he found out that God would not allow him to lead the Israelites into the promised land. So Moses delivered essentially a final sermon, perhaps a series of messages, and it's all written down for us in the book of Deuteronomy. This book heavily emphasizes obedience to God, It emphasizes learning from the history of their ancestors so they wouldn't make the same mistakes. And it really is an expansion of the Ten Commandments. Moses explains in detail how to apply the Ten Commandments in basically every situation. This book is full of rich wisdom and instruction And there's even a part in this book where it seems like Moses knows the future. He can tell the future. Remember, during this time, Israel is being led by God through one man, through a prophet, essentially. And this government structure would remain in place after Moses, through Joshua, But Moses is talking about when Israel would set up a king to rule over them. This would not take place for many hundreds of years. After Joshua, eventually the system of rule in Israel was a bunch of judges ruling over different regions of the land. It was a chaotic and bloody period. Total lawlessness and chaos, captivity, all kinds of sin. Every man doing whatever he thought was best because there wasn't real central godly authority. And then after this long period of the judges would come the time when Israel wanted a king. Moses saw the future. And he told the people exactly what to do and exactly what the king should do in the future when they would eventually set up a king. Notice here, Deuteronomy chapter 17, there's a lot of lessons in this for us. This is starting in verse 14. When you are come unto the land, which the eternal your God gives you, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Moses tells Israel, when you choose to set up a king, he knew it was going to happen. He knew that the Israelites would want to be just like every other nation, that they would want to trust in a man instead of God. So he gave them instructions, at least for how to proceed in this inevitable situation. This was not the ideal. Israel should not have ever set up a king over them. They should have continued to trust in God. God had just delivered them from slavery in Egypt through miraculous plagues that wiped out Egypt. And yet still, the Israelites inevitably were going to choose to look to human beings. They were going to choose a king at some point. Moses understood this. Deuteronomy 17, verse 15, You shall in any wise set him king over you, Whom the eternal your God shall choose. One from among your brethren shall you set king over you. You may not set a stranger over you who is not your brother. So Moses gives them more instruction, at least about the correct protocols in setting up a king, which they shouldn't be doing, but eventually Moses knew they would do. When you set up a king, at least let God choose him. At least let that king be a fellow Israelite. Verse 16. Here here is where Moses starts to warn a little bit about what problems would arise when under the rulership of a king. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Eternal has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Moses is saying a king should not do these things because typically in history, this is exactly what a king would do. A king would send his people into war to enrich himself and expand his territory. A king would betray his own people if it benefited him in some way. A king would take many wives, a king would hoard wealth, even if that means heavily taxing his own people, a grievous tax burden. This was prescient understanding by Moses. He was spot on. You can, you can see a little bit later on in the Bible exactly what happened once Israel was led by a king. These are the exact types of problems they faced. The exact types of traps their kings fell into. But notice, notice how Moses explains the way to avoid these problems. The way for a king to be upright and righteous. Deuteronomy 17 verse 18. And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest, the Levites. Moses is saying, even the leader of a nation, the one with all the power, who theoretically could do whatever he wants, must be subject to the law. He must know the law. He must write it. He must study it. He must fairly apply it and uphold it. No king should ever be above the law. What an awesome message from Moses here in the book of Deuteronomy. For all of Israel's future kings that wouldn't come along for many hundreds of years at this point. But Moses could tell. He could see the future. He knew what was going to happen in Israel at some point after he was gone. Leading a nation is a gigantic responsibility. And the way to do it right is by knowing the law. Upholding the law. Maintaining law and order making sure that no one is above the law, that the law applies the same way to everybody, even the king himself. This is the way to success for a king. And any Israelite king that would ever apply this would achieve success. That's what Moses was saying. Notice it continues here. Deuteronomy 17 verse 19. And it shall be with him talking about the book of the law that he wrote. And he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the eternal his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Now, when we think about studying the law, studying the Bible, maybe we don't always connect that to fearing God. There is maybe a false conception of what the Bible actually is or what it actually holds for us. Maybe we could just read the Proverbs or the Psalms And enjoy the poetry and feel good about ourselves after reading it for 10 minutes. Plenty of people out there enjoy maybe dabbling in the Bible here and there. Maybe they enjoy reading a story here and there. But it has to go deeper than that. It has to be something that changes the way we think and the way we live It has to be something that causes us to fear God. That's exactly what Moses was telling the Israelites. That's what he was telling future Israelite kings. Study the law, know the law, apply the law. Let it change the way you think. Let it change the way you live, the way you lead. Let it cause you to fear God. Bible study should cause us to fear God. That is a, an actual major benefit of Bible study. Here at Herbert W. Armstrong College in Edmond, Oklahoma, male students go through a homiletics course in their junior and senior years of college. This course teaches how to study the Bible, how to apply the Bible, how to speak using the Bible. And the textbook, the main textbook for this homiletics course is a book called Speak for God. And on page 71, it says, there is a virtuous cycle here. The more you study, the more you learn to fear God. And the more you fear God, then the more God can teach you through your study. It does take a certain type of mindset in Bible study to really benefit from it. It takes a mindset of humility and fear. And when we have that mindset, God can teach us so much more. Matthew 11 verse 25 is Christ saying, I thank you. O father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Obviously God isn't teaching truth to literal babies, but who is more humble in this life than a baby? that can't talk, can't walk, can't do anything on his own. Babies have to be humble because they are completely helpless. And so spiritually, when we realize that we are completely helpless without God, when we have that kind of humility, God reveals his truth to us. God isn't trying to reveal his truth to scholars and intellectuals today who are so vain and think they already know everything and that even their own creator couldn't teach them anything. God is revealing truth to babes, those with that humble mindset, those who actually read the Bible and tremble, who actually fear God when they study. And Moses is telling these Israelite kings of the future Yes, perhaps you are the human leader of the nation, and yet your power only exists thanks to God. You are nothing compared to God. Remember, obedience leads to blessings. Rebellion leads to curses. God can wipe out your rule if you don't fear him. That was Moses' message to Israel's future kings here in Deuteronomy chapter 17. The admonition goes on here in Deuteronomy 17, verse 20. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel So again, a king who studies the law, lets his thinking be transformed by the law, is going to be humble. He's not going to think he's better than his subjects. He is going to serve his subjects and be fair and just. And this will lead to blessings. This will lead to a longer life. This will lead to prosperity for his family. It all gets back to Bible study. Knowing and applying the law, fearing God, being humble, letting him teach. Notice notice here Psalm 119 verse 9 wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word. Israel had a lot of young kings and Judah too, once the nation split, kings that were just boys, I believe as young as eight, maybe even six. (laughs) So obviously when, when the kings of these nations were Little children, they would have to have adult advisors helping them a bit. But then these boys would become young men. They would start leading at a young age in many cases. And here in in Psalms, it's saying, okay, just heed God's word. Read what it says and live your life this way. This is how to be cleansed. Page 72 of Speak for God says, studying God's word daily frees us from worldly influences. It helps us gain control of our thoughts. What a benefit. It goes on to quote Ephesians 5 verse 26 about how Christ will cleanse his future wife with the washing of water by the word. And it says, studying the Bible each day is actually spending time with Christ each day, allowing your husband to wash you and cleanse you. Ask yourself, am I being cleansed by my daily personal Bible study? Is the right standard of conduct being burned into my mind to replace the wrong standards I may pick up from the world around me? This is... A major benefit of Bible study. Remember, ancient Israel was surrounded by pagan nations, nations that practiced child sacrifice and all kinds of heinous idolatry. And it was only natural for a king of Israel to want to compromise, to want to fit in and be just like everybody else. To be just like any of these other pagan kings. And by studying the Bible. A king of Israel would be reminded. Of the death and destruction that comes from that wrong way. God promises curses for behavior such as this. He shows us the way to go. He showed those kings how to, how to live, how to rule. And if only more of those kings had obeyed, the people could have been saved from enslavement. Moses warned. Moses knew human nature. He knew the tendencies of the Israelites to be faithless, to look to other human beings instead of looking to God. He knew how easily the Israelites could be distracted from following God and start living a pagan lifestyle like anyone around them. And it all gets back to studying the law and fearing God, just regularly letting the law affect us, digging into it every single day. The late educator Herbert W. Armstrong often talked about how we should have a Bible reason for everything we do. The movie you want to watch, the activity you want to engage in, that thought you're having, is there a Bible reason for it? Can it really be justified by God's word? God doesn't give us a list of a million things to do or not do in our daily lives. There are a lot of times where we have to apply God's law honestly and truthfully to know what God would want us to do in every situation. And it takes studying the law, knowing the law, and how it would apply to every situation. Otherwise, we just have no clue, and we're doing whatever is right in our own eyes. The book of Timothy contains some valuable instruction for for us when we study the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So a lot of benefits of Bible study here. These are promises God makes to us, promises that we can receive if our Bible study is deep enough, if we're taking the time to think about what we study, to review what we hear, to write our own thoughts maybe to memorize key verses, mark up key points of Philadelphia Church of God literature. If we really dig into study, it can make us wise unto salvation. In the case of Israel's kings, if they applied God's law, the nation would be saved. Ultimately, Israel went into captivity to Assyria. Judah went into captivity to Babylon. The law was not applied. And therefore the nation was not saved. Their kings were not wise unto salvation because they didn't really study the law and they didn't fear God. It says here that the Bible teaches us doctrine. The Bible teaches us what is right and what is wrong. We don't have to live by our own corrupt human reasoning every day. God will tell us. Page 72 of Speak for God says, Our daily study should be most specifically focused on getting our thoughts and actions in line with God. Do we think like God? Do we believe the same things, the same doctrines that God believes? Do we study the Bible for reproof and correction? Like it says here in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. It's not just studying to make ourselves feel good. It's about reproof and correction too. Getting back on track whenever we start to turn astray taking some correction, examining ourselves, and fixing what we find wrong. Instruction in righteousness. And notice the end of it all, 2 Timothy 3, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's talking about the end result of quality daily Bible study being perfection. Moses told Israel's kings to study the law and let that cause them to fear God. And God tells us, we'll be saved too if we get into our Bible study, if we have an open mind, if we're humble in our study. And ultimately, the right kind of Bible study leads to salvation. It leads us to perfection. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.